We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, sadly, we are talking about a Nets loss to the Sixers, 101-98. How are we feeling? 0.1 seconds away from overtime, Nick. That's uh, that's a bit of a heartbreaker. Yeah, and I actually felt like they took too much time off the clock when James Harden was initially fouled as the intentional foul. It looked like it was supposed to be like 1.1. And in this weird situation where Spencer hits a shot essentially from the logo to potentially tie it, that 0.1 second really mattered to the Nets. And we don't know what happened in overtime. We're going to jump into the game and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, you want to start with the fourth quarter and that final six minutes where the Nets offense got super stagnant? Yeah, it was basically – there was – I think it was a three, four minute stretch where the Nets just couldn't hit a field goal. And then Spence hit that like incredible dunk and drive to the rack, you know, through like Joel Embiid and, and a heap of guys and really lifted the team. And, you know, his offense was a, a little bit poor today, but I still think for a two of 10 game, this was probably better than what we, you know, a, a two of 10 per performance because of his facilitation. And I, I think his rim pressure is, is always going to be really positive. It's something that we know about Spencer. He's always going to complain to the refs about mm. having a couple more free throws. Probably could have had a couple more seeing as James Harden and Joel Embiid certainly seem to always foul bait the refs into giving getting the right whistle. But yeah, that fourth quarter, it was sort of, you know, you and I have been chatting all game. It's sort of emblematic what I think the Nets are going to be, at least for a period of acclimation with each other until they figure out sets, rotations, and, and that sort of thing. You know, generating high-quality offense when you don't have a high-quality superstar-level player. Like, Spencer can do it in a pinch. Mikhail can do it in a pinch. Cam could do it in a pinch. Cam could do it... Uh, Cam, both Cams can do it in a pinch. That's going to be... I'm going to call him CJ. CJ and CT. Maybe I'll have yeah. to just figure out some new nicknames. But in saying that, those guys can do it, but I don't think they can do it to the same extent of isolation scoring that you get from other superstars and bead hard and these sort of dudes. Yeah, and obviously the Sixers are also a very good defense, you know, top six in the league right now. And Joel Embiid, obviously, is a great rim protector. So that eliminated some of the stuff that Spencer could do late in this game. And like you said, they're not they don't have that superstar. And I don't think they did a good job of trying to attack the weak link of, you know, Philadelphia, which was James Harden. I think they did that earlier in the game. But it felt like Spencer was getting a lot of switches onto an Embiid and that kind of stagnated things. And it was a lot of dribbling at the top. And I think also it's just like, their first game together. You know, these guys have never really sat in the court, at least as a, a five-man unit. So that was probably an issue. And I think 
they just are going to need to be more creative and trying to find looks. And obviously being so dependent on jump shots is going to have its pros and its cons. Jack, did you think that Jock Vaughn should have ran with Cam Thomas, you know, down the stretch when it got really stagnant, you know, maybe put him in a three minute mark? Yeah, I, I thought that he should have been a bit more creative with the defense to offense lineups because I know mm. that you know, PJ Tucker was past. taking. Yeah, and he has done that. Like PJ Tucker was taking in and out for like George Niang, and I thought that that's where Jarfon could have been a, a little bit smarter because you know Cam was maybe the second best offensive player tonight. You know, I think Mikael Bridges was was quite clearly the number one, but I thought you know Cam provided a really good jolt in his 18 minutes off the bench, and so I think that Jacques Vaughn, this wasn't his best coaching performance, and and it might have been the difference between winning and losing. You know, you're paying Patty Mills you know, seven minutes, you're playing Darren Sharp three minutes. You know, Yusuf could have got it in a, a bit more run, could have gotten all those Patty Mills minutes and Darren on sharp minutes so i think that you know there were just little things here and there where the nets could have got the win they essentially led for like 95 percent of the game but unfortunately the five percent that they didn't lead is the the one that mattered yeah i believe they hit 10 threes in the first half only three threes in the second half which is a pretty big deal on a team that's going to be dependent on the three ball you know 40 attempts i think jock vaughn said that's what he wanted uh pre-game they got it they just weren't able to knock down a lot of good looks to be honest you know cam johnson started hot in this one kind of cooled off a little bit spencer dinwiddie couldn't hit anything other than the one that didn't count in this one and like you said i think they could have went offense defense because i think it was clear when cam was on the floor defensively they weren't having as much success double teaming Joel and beat and recovering you know, I think that's an area where he's still kind of looking to improve. So I could see the offense for defense in that situation, just kind of flipping back and forth or, you know, just trying to cover up for him because the Sixers, I thought, did a better job down the stretch of preventing some of those double teams and really getting Embiid in open space and, you know, making the Nets defenders have to pick and choose if they can stay at home or attack. Yeah, and then having to foul, like, you know, yeah. they, they just had to a couple times and Joel Embiid's a, a very, very good free throw shooter. So I think, and, and look, you know, Mikael Bridges makes that layup, you yeah. know, w w and that was a, a nice little sort of play call out of the timeout, just, you know, a, a little bit, you know, a, a different angle off the rim, and it could have bounced in, and, you know, I think Spence almost saved it as well. So No, Claxler is right there. I mean, it's like yeah. one out of ten chance that that possession loses the Nets the game because probably eight out of ten times Mikael Bridges hits that layup, and the other one time, you know, that Clax doesn't catch the rebound, it's a putback dunk to win the game. You know, it was like almost a, a perfect possession. The Nets just kind of didn't execute. And that was kind of a common theme in just certain stretches in this game. Even just, you know, clocks getting the technical or that late foul in the, the end of the third quarter. Those possessions are the difference. And as we've talked about, actually, you and I haven't talked about in the pod yet, but we both have mentioned, you know, the margin of error for this team is going to be a lot smaller because they don't have that superstar to clean up the mistakes. You know, Kevin Durant is going to eliminate a, a lot of different issues with your team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, 25 to 16 in the fourth quarter. You know, that, that's probably as simple as it is, Nick. To, you know, 28 in the first, 32 in the second, 22 in the third even is okay when the, the Sixers themselves are only scoring 24. But to not even get to, into the 20s in that in that final period, like the, that's just poor offense. And I think that the Nets are going to have to find and continue to establish an identity to get easier buckets and you know hit those threes because they have incredible three-point shooters, not just good three-point shooters, incredible three-point shooters on this team. And it's going to be sometimes make or miss. Like if the Nets win the three-point shooting battle, which they did tonight, you know, but they only, maybe if we look at like, are the Nets shooting above 37%? Is that going to be an indicator of them winning? You know, probably. Yep. They only shot a 32.5%, 13 to 40. You know, the Sixers only took 23 of them and only hit six of them. They were really cold there, but they live in the paint. They live at the free throw line. They're the foul merchant sort of team and they're not going to be doing anything in the postseason. The Nets won't be really either, but you, know, you can sort of see that this Sixers team is, is going to be uh, petering out. But in, in saying that, Nick, any sort of fine thoughts on that general sort of final last 12 minutes or so before we get into some of the new guys yeah i think like you said jack i think uh just more creativity offensively even you know potentially subbing in joe harris down the stretch is something i didn't expect to say you know he was hot from three but really cam thomas was seven of ten from two you know he's he had two misses from three but he was hitting tough shots he was also cooking an iso and cam has an ability that cam thomas has the ability to really hit the in-between shots and the tough shots that that's not really Spencer's game. He can hit the tough shots. His mid-range is there sometimes, but Cam is probably has, you know, the best mid-range on the team in terms of creation on his own, not coming off the screen. So I think that could have been something Vaughn incorporated more. And then one more point. Um, I think also the Nets three-point defense is potentially improving. Now, this is back-to-back games where we've seen teams shoot make under 10 threes, you know. Chicago, not a great three-point shooting team. Philadelphia kind of picks and chooses, but still something to keep an eye on for a potential trend. Yeah, I think in in general on the the Cam and the three point shooting thing, Cam is the best three level scorer that the Nets have right now. Yep. You know, he's not elite in every single department. You know, he's not a, an incredible three point shooter. He's a pretty damn good driver, and his best skill is probably his mid range. But you know, he's also got a a gorgeous floater, which sort of allows him to. Sort of, and so I think he had a lot of that working. His three ball wasn't really there. It's not as you alluded to, but 
in, in terms of the three-point shooting, it sort of was the trend of what we expected this team to be. They're going to be an incredible switching defensive yeah. team. And there's just instincts that these guys have. Like Cam had, Cam Johnson had three steals tonight. Mikhail Bridges. When you have Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Nick Claxton, and Dorian Finney-Smith in your, your starters, like try and score on that. Like the, the Sixers have two of the best offensive players in the league, and they just cracked over 100 points. Like <laughs> these, it's going to be an insane defensive squad. And like I'll be able to pick apart like 14 different defensive moments from the team tonight. You know, obviously claxing that block on yep. Joel Embiid. You got Cam Johnson like picking the pocket of Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and whoever else was there. Like the Nets defense is going to be crazy good. And I'm I, I'm loving it. I, I enjoyed this new identity of the team, and hopefully the offense works out a few kinks here and there. But you know, the Twins, I'm I'm hopefully like I can become friends with them as well, and I could be like a triplet. Yeah, uh, maybe you guys could start a podcast, you know, a new one, add to the Blue Wire feed. But um, yeah, I think the defense, not only, you know, one-on-one situations, but also the ability to double and bead, rotate and recover. You know, that's an issue that we've seen in the past with Nets teams, unless it was, you know, the best five they had. But now they have different options of players. Even the starting lineup was elite, but there's a couple guys coming off the bench that did a solid job. You know, Royce O'Neal is a solid defender. You know, Ben had some decent moments in this game. Yuta does his thing out there. But like you said, the length is just kind of ridiculous. You just look at this team and it's the length, the athleticism, and the three-point shooting that instantly kind of pops off the screen. And now it's just that first half showcased it. And it felt like the Sixers weren't necessarily ready for all of that length. Yeah, and they're just quick with their feet. Yeah. Like they just like, the. it's a really underrated skill. And I think like class- No bad like- athletes. No bad athletes at all in that starting five. And you know, they just know how to rotate there. Like the things that you can't teach in terms of like just the rotations, as you sort of alluded to, like Mikhail just knew when to go down low and sort of was able to quickly get out to, to James on, on certain. And like Mikhail was like guarding him full court as well. I just love that shit. Like the, he was clearly just wanted to be out there and like the pregame press with him and Cam Johnson was the, the stuff of dreams. You know, he was just like itching out of his pants to, to be able to be in that last game. And a lot of people overanalyzed the, the questions from uh, the NBA in terms of like, you know, he doesn't want to be there, blah, blah, blah. But now nah, Mikhail Bridges, every time he hits that three ball, he gets the three out, the three gun. Uh, he's become one of my favorite players already. I think that I might have to get him a Cal Bridges jersey, but yeah, he was easily the Nets' best player tonight, Nick, and you know, I, I'm, I'm loving having him on the team. And I think that one thing I will say, you're listening to a lot of like the general NBA pods after this, and everyone was talking about it, and a lot of people... After watching him tonight, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's probably right. That's how I felt about him. But even I was surprised about skills that he had and skills that I'm like, maybe this guy isn't your sort of like 3A, you know, sort of on a championship sort of team. When he's given opportunities, like in the absence of Devin Booker, he really thrived. And now he's going to be, you know, the one or the two, you know, option on offense for, for the Nets. And I think he can show that he can be a really, really capable offensive player. You know, his three-point shooting is just out of this world. And, you know, he can hit the midi. He's an incredible athlete, good driver. Um, and his defense is, you know, he's an all, if he's an all-defense this year and every year in his career, I'd be pretty bloody surprised as well. Yeah, he's one of the rare wings that can win defensive player of the year. You know, he's that good out there. He, I mean, there was a possession in the fourth quarter. It felt like he defended every single person with the ball. But like you said, offensively, 
I was impressed by his comfort with the ball in his hands and his confidence in his decision making, especially in the mid range. He felt looked really comfortable doing that. So we'll see how he grows moving forward. I think he's going to, you know, potentially take another stride. And like you said, maybe becomes a fringe all star, becomes even an all star down the line. There's a lot of potential. I think one thing is like the fluidity that he moves with both offensively and defensively. It's just super smooth. So I'm interested to see as his skills develop, you know, how much better can he really be? And also maybe the Nets incorporating, you know, more touches for him to try to do some things. You know, there was a couple possessions, but in that fourth quarter, I thought maybe, you know, let him, let him get another shot. Obviously he had the chance of the game winner at a potential signature win, but I thought there was maybe more opportunities to use him and Cam Johnson in the fourth. Yeah, the box score, 34 minutes, 8 of 18 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, hit all four of his three throws, had six boards, three of them offensive, a steal, an assist, two steals, only the one turnover for his 23 points was minus six in, in the plus minus, but I still think he was the Nets' best player tonight. Yeah, and I thought also he probably could have had eight free throws at least in this game. You know, I thought there was a couple times driving even on jumpers. You know, the Nets aren't going to get a ton of free throws given their style of play, but also the lack of star power on this roster. It's always going to be harder to get to the line. You know, as he maybe gets a bigger name, that will help him out a little bit. But really happy with his performance and really excited to just watch him play. Like like you said, there's just a lot of positivity around him, and he seems to just be a, like a fun, nice guy to have in the locker room. Yeah, I'm 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 all in on the the Mikhail Bridges experience and the twins. I'm already falling in love with it. We're gonna have to figure out some new segments. We've got the BS report. Maybe we've got to do have to get like a twin segment going and just like analyze them together as well as individually because they just seem like a, an awesome package duo. And it's cool to see that they're together in Brooklyn as yep. well. And you know, Cam Johnson hopefully can earn himself a big contract in the offseason. Mikhail Bridges on a very team friendly contract. You know, you guys were you and Justin did great analysis on him like the four first rounders teams were offering him but you know Mikhail Bridges you know there is some untapped unknown potential with him that I think we're going to see in Brooklyn and I'm excited to see it Nick yeah and I think it's a rare opportunity that a player like him gets to go from a championship team where he's you know almost stuck in a certain role and then he goes to a new team with less expectations still you know probably playoff expectations but now has an opportunity to grow more and showcase more of his game and more opportunities to see what he can do. Big time. Let's get to the other twin Cam Johnson, CJ, 4 of 13 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 2 of 3 from the free throw line, 7 boards, 3 assists, 3 steals, plus 7 on the night, led the team in that department for his 12 points. How did you feel about CJ tonight, Nick? Yeah, I thought he started hot knocking down his jumpers and it felt like he wasn't going to miss. And then he kind of cooled off as the game progressed. Defensively was really good. You know, that steal on Harden at the end of the second quarter probably should have got free throws at the end of that, too. Um, I think defensively he impressed me in this game. I thought he was really solid on the boards. Maybe that's an area he can be a little better in compared to what he was doing in Phoenix. So happy with uh, Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. Both guys really came to play and I just love their energy to start. Yeah, there's some, like, there are intangible things when you're playing team sports that guys yep. can provide. And I think Cam Johnson and, and Mikhail Bridges, through just their personality and play, are going to provide that for the Nets. You know, we're going to hear the comparisons nigh on ends about, you know, this versus the 2018-19 Nets and stuff. But I don't know, I feel better about this team. You know, this team I, is I, better. I, this it's, thing, I don't even think it's a question. I, I think that 
it's it's not a lazy comparison because I think it's it's a fair enough one, but I just think that there's more talent on on this team. Yeah. I, I think that the depth on this team is insane. Like, what well, Jacques Vaughn played like twelve guys tonight, and look, some of those guys probably shouldn't have played tonight. But yeah. in saying that, you look at the depth at the position that the every single team wants. There are going to be teams that are going to want to offer two first rounders for Cam Johnson, three or four for Mikael Bridges, one and a bit for Dorian Finney-Smith, one and a bit for Royce O'Neal. Maybe you know, if, obviously, I don't know about you to what. Tanabe, but you know, th- there's just so much depth in quality at the position of, of need, but obviously those guys don't have the offensive capabilities in terms of isolation scoring and shot creation that is required to be you know, the, the highest of level players, but Cam Johnson I think is, is is again, you know, a guy that's really young and can grow with this team, and uh, Kim, I, I just want all the content of Cam and, and Mikel, the twins, um, we've got to get uh, chatting on T Public and, and work out some new merch with those two um, and, and we might give them a, a little bit of a cut because the the twins uh, i'm all in on the twins baby i love twins <laughs> yeah i think cam johnson a way to get him incorporated more he looked more comfortable off the dribble especially pulling up than i anticipated especially after watching you know some highlights and stuff of him maybe get him some time with ben who has an obsession with dribble handoffs i think that could be an area where maybe it could be efficient for cam johnson uh you saw like a little paints uh, spain pick and roll with Spencer, Clax, and Cam Johnson led to some open threes for him. And like I said, he had a lot of good looks. He just has a knack of getting open. I also thought we saw a lot of good off-ball screens from the Nets, understanding what they need to do. And he was a guy that got good looks. And I think, you know, obviously he's a 40% three-point shooter and having a really good year from there, he's only going to knock down more threes moving forward. So this was not his best shooting game, but that's his best skill. Yeah, and I think this is an aberration. I, yeah. I thought that, like, when I looked at it after the game, I'm like, I thought he shot better than that. It felt better than that. And and the same with Spencer because, and look, you know, if those percentages, they hit two or three more shots, the, the Nets, you know, pretty clearly win this game. And, you know, I did research before coming on because I wanted to have, I didn't watch probably as much tape as you, but I, I dived deep into the stats a little bit. I tweeted out this morning, you know, when Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson have shared the floor since both of them have started their careers, you know, the Phoenix Suns are plus eight. You know, they have like 117 offensive rating and like a 109 defensive rating. So, you know, you align those two for extended periods, but Jarfon's going to have to finagle a few things here and there because I think the all bench lineups and the all starters lineups, I think he needs to be better than that. And and look, you know, they've got a lot of talent now and he's going to have to figure out a way to to utilize it with the, the right combinations. But yeah, good game from, from Cam Johnson tonight and uh, for his first one as a Brooklyn Net, one that we won't forget and one that he won't either. Yeah, and I thought he was also, I don't know if I said this already, better off the dribble, not just pulling up, but also driving a couple times. You saw, I think he got to the free throw line one time off of that. And just his ability to do that. I thought also Vaughn could have probably played him a little bit more. You know, only 28 and a half minutes in this one. You know, Mikel Bridge is only 34. Like, these are young guys. Not to say you need to play them 40 minutes, but I think there was a clear gap in terms of some of the bench players in comparison to the starters in this one. Yeah, I think you compare like those two to Royce O'Neal. I think that both of them are more versatile defenders when it comes to positionally. Because Royce O'Neal tonight got cooked a lot from like guys like Tyrese Maxey. Maxey when he was smoked go- him. Like so many times. Whereas <laughs> that's not going to happen to Mikael Bridges or Cam Johnson. Those yeah. guys are just better, more fluid athletes and better at point of attack defense. I have an so- example in my head right now. When you know, Tyrese Maxey went at Cam Johnson, he went at his chest and he was just too strong, ended up fumbling the basketball, got a free steal for the Nets. Mikel Bridges just eliminates everyone because he has ridiculous arms. Yeah, his wingspan is like insane. Like it's, <laughs> it just like, goes on for days and days and days. We're gonna have to call him like I don't Mr. know what's fantastic, like Mr. Fantastic or or like the Hawk or Inspector Gadget. You know, something. Give us something, guys, in the DMs. But 
Nick, who do you think was the third best player for the, the Nets tonight? And why wasn't it Nick Claxton? Um, you know what? It's it's Joe. It's, uh, third best player was probably Nick. It would probably was Nick Claxton, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, he just he brought that energy and juice. I think the only thing frustrating with Claxton in this game was some of the mental mistakes. You know, not just the tech, but also just like being too handsy with Embiid in certain situations. And I think that's uh, another hurdle for him to get over is because Embiid's obviously this all-world talent, but he also is an extremely frustrating player to defend because he is consistently pushing, shoving, elbowing you and not getting called for anything. And then when you are making minimal contact, he's getting to the line 13 times. So it becomes not just a physical battle, but a mental battle. And I think that's the next step for Clax. But even with that said, he had some ridiculous momentum plays in this game, blocking and beat and then catching at like essentially a half court oop from Spencer. Like that's, that's big time stuff. He's a big time player. Like yeah. he's got big time attitude. He's got big time everything. And you know, for a guy that had six and five on the night, like I think a lot of the time we're going to be speaking about whether it's him, whether it's DFS, whether it's Royce or, or they're going to be guys that are like that. Go, go beyond the box score, watch yep. the game, watch the highlights, watch the tape because had a couple of dimes as well. You know, the three of six in the field, you know, the, the one that stuck out to me was the one that he had before that block on MB yep. where he's just like, there's nothing happening here. Dribble, 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 dribble. What am I going to do? Fuck it. I'm sorry. Stuff it. I'm going to go like right at, at Joel MB. And, and just like th- he probably should have had an and one there. Exactly. Like, and then like Joel Embiid gets called for that because he flops around like he's magic carp, you know, (laughs) before he's like about to evolve into Gyarados. But in, in saying that Claxton, I I like this Claxton Embiid matchup because Claxton outplayed him in the last game. You probably give the points to Embiid here, uh, but I think that it's a, it's a budding sort of rivalry between those two individually. And, you know, Claxton certainly held his own for, uh, different periods, but you know, as you know, he wasn't the more wasn't as good as his last one, and I think as well coming off you know having a game off because of injury, I still think he was really really positive, um, and uh, another great game, another consistent and and uh, imp- uh, he just he made a big impact. Yeah, I think uh, the hamstring could have been bothering him a little bit. You know, I didn't think he was quite as explosive, especially when Spencer tried to hit him on an oop and it kind of hit like the bottom of the rim. I was like, Ooh, that probably in another day is like Clax is catching that with one hand, like cocking it back and just doing something disgusting. But Clax obviously has been impressive all year long. I think getting to Spencer, we touched on him a little bit in that fourth quarter. He finished with nine points, two of 10, Oh, four from three, five of six in the free throw line, six rebounds, six assists, one steal, three turnovers, you know, really good facilitation in the first half. But in the that you know third and then especially late in the fourth, he got a little dribble happy. Yeah, he he didn't really attack and drive as much, and when he did, he got that insane dunk. I think that's that just needs to be his mentality consistently, and Jacques Ward just needs to keep telling him that, dude, just drive the basketball and just yep. kick it out. If you don't have anything there, kick it out. You're gonna have a shooter there, and guys that can move off the catch. You know, Cam, you know Johnson, as you alluded to, you know, these guys aren't just like stationary guys. They're not Joe Harris, and Joe Harris is suddenly shooting dribbles off the three. You know, we'll get to him, um, shooting threes off the dribble. Sorry, um, so yeah, I think Spencer. Spencer was was pretty positive and i think you know he's gonna have an incredible burden him and cam being the sort of lead facilitators lead offense generators for themselves as well as the team but i still think it was a decent enough game from spence yeah i think also another thing they could try to do and obviously it's tougher to do against a a team with joel and beat out there but when they're able to experiment with some small ball lineups with playing you know one of these wings at the five you know not ben or clax and really going five out that's when you'll see Spencer shine because he'll just have an ability to get to the rim. Like 
Dorian Finney-Smith on Embiid actually had a couple good possessions. Like, I'm intrigued to see him go against lesser centers and then really go with that five-out lineup. That's when you'll see Spencer probably have, you know, a 30-point game and 10 free throws. Yeah, and I think they can do that. They've shown that a little bit with Yusuf Watsonabe. You know, at times, sometimes he can be caught out on, on an island, yeah. but I think now they have the capabilities to do so. But Embiid's like it, one of the exceptions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Embiid, Jokic, Anthony Davis, these guys are yeah. just like superstars. But getting to the bench, Nick, Joe Harris for his second straight game, first time in his career, hit six three six three-pointers, six of nine from the field, all of those threes for his 18 points uh, in 16 minutes. Seems like whenever there is less pressure on Joe Harris, he turns into Steph Curry 2.0. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it seemed at times he was really scared or nervous around the big three or the big two where Kevin Durant, you know, you and I even referenced early on, Katie kind of yelling at him to shoot the basketball. Maybe that got in Joe's head early on. I will say defensively in this game, still not great. James Harden went to work on him in that second quarter. Obviously, he's probably did it in practice numerous times, but it's good to see Joe at least be able to knock down the threes. And also, I think it's the style of offense, the change in that and just kind of incorporating more three-point attempts, more pace, and more off-ball movement. And that's something that wasn't necessarily always the case when the Stars were around. Not to say that it's a lesser style of basketball or anything like that, but this allows him to be more involved and impactful, where at times he was taking two shots in a game and playing 30 minutes. Yeah, so look, it's going to be you know a maturation, and I think Joe's going to fit well, you know, with this team. We know what Joe can do. I think he's going to probably shoot sixty percent from three for the rest of the season. I would not be surprised at that, given the amount of other space around him and the the lesser pressure when you don't have the the superstars around him. But you know, in saying that, Nick, you know. Cam Thomas, Ben Simmons, Royce O'Neal, these are the guys who got the we don't really need to chat about Utah, Dayron and Patty. Who do you want to get to next? Um, I guess let's go to Royce O'Neal. Obviously, it was a little bit of a struggle for him in this game. Finished with three points, one of seven from the field, one of four from three, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. I think Royce is definitely in a weird situation considering he was a starter all year long, playing big minutes, and now he's kind of put into a bench role where it's gonna be harder for him to get minutes and he's Clearly, you know, I don't I don't want to say like less talented, but he's less talented than the guys ahead of him. So there's just like pressure for him to be really good. And I'm intrigued how it kind of plays out for him the rest of the season. Yeah, in this rotation right now, he's the fourth best three and D guy. You know, he's behind Mikhail, he's behind CJ, he's behind DFS, and he's going to have to find a way to look. A lot of us, including myself and, and you, have been asking for a lesser role for Royce O'Neal, and hopefully that allows him to continue to impact. But I think it's going to be about finding the balance. You know, the players and, and the coaches are going to have to buy into all of that. And there might be games where we see you know, if Royce is hitting those threes because it seems to me Royce always finds that rhythm early when he hits those threes. So maybe, you know, when he first comes in, you know, Jacques or, or Eagle run a little bit of a play for him just to get that open sort of three or Spencer drives hard and, and keeps an eye on where Royce is, is hanging out. So uh, it's going to be intriguing to sort of see, but he's still a, a positive three and D guy. Obviously, I always say sometimes three, sometimes D, but you know, Royce is, is going <laughs> to a lot. A lot of teams would love to have a Royce O'Neal coming off their bench. Yeah, he's a solid player. Uh, as you mentioned, there's just some of the defensive issues when he's put onto a twitchy, you know, athletic guard or wing. They're just going to blow by him and kind of get to the rim. And in certain situations, that's where it can get you in trouble. But if he's in the right matchup, 
he's going to be more successful. And I think, as you mentioned too, Jack, the three-point shot's always a, a big dictator for him. You know, if it's going down, he's impactful offensively. If it's not, sometimes he almost stagnates the offense because he hesitates so much from the three-point line. But moving on from him, uh, if you want to touch on Ben, I guess, four points, two or three from the field, three rebounds, three assists, did also have one block in there. What did you think of Ben? Yeah, the BS Report brought to you by unnamed sponsor is back. Obviously, Nick's been doing the BS Report without me and doing it bloody goddamn well. Look, I, I saw some people saying, like, you know, Ben was really impactful. Ben wasn't impactful. I'm like, I thought he was just average. You know, that's that's how I sort of felt about his performance tonight. You know, I, I thought he could have been a more aggressive like he was against Chicago and, and in some previous games. Uh, I'm, and we obviously heard plenty, and, and you and Justin and, and have discussed it solo as well about, you know, his mentality, his confidence in his body and such. So, look, I think Ben needs to continue to come off the bench. You know, I think that we might get flashes in the pan but you know, this is just an average performance from him. Um, nothing really special. But you know, who knows? But in by game eighty, by game seventy-five, maybe we can see Ben Simmons starting DFS or someone coming off the bench, or maybe he's starting in in place of Spencer Dimwitty. I I don't know. But as it currently stands, Ben should continue to come off the bench because he's making an impact in certain places, but not enough to truly make a you know a marked impact on the game overall. Yeah, and I think if he's truly, you know, still trying to quote unquote build himself back up physically and mentally, as he mentioned, you know, a week ago, maybe the bench is the best place for him. You know, some lesser matchups, some opportunities to build up that confidence. I think, like you said, it's just a lot of like hot and cold with him. And it's been that way for a while now. It's like you see these plays and you're like, damn, that was a good ass play, like Ben. And then the next play down, he does something or he hesitates, or even that play tonight underneath the hoop, it led to a Joe Harris three, but he he had a wide open dunk. Like dunked the basketball there was another play though where he made a nice you know like floating cut into front of the rim and laid the ball in it's just like he's just a very confusing basketball player and it's you know it's tough and we'll see how it kind of plays out like you said maybe it changes by game 81 or 82 or maybe it changes in the postseason as you know something something happens but right now i think the bench is the best place for him yeah, it's just unfortunate because we know, and look, maybe I've been a Ben Simmons hater, but I think I generally hate from a place of, because I have high expectations of him being, because, you know, I have a kinship with him, you know, being the the old Aussie bloke and stuff. But in, in saying that, I'm hoping the BS report became, becomes a more positive segment going forward. But as it stands, you know, not the best from Ben. Hopefully he gets better. But any other thoughts, Nick, uh, around the game overall? We chatted rotations. We chatted just general team identity, sort of, you know, teething issues. Any other final thoughts before we move forward? Yeah, I think, uh, like we mentioned, Cam Thomas, you know, just to give him some more love, 14 points, 7 and 12 from the field, 0 oh, 2 from 3, uh, 1 rebound, 2 assists. I think you're starting to see him kind of get some of those wraparound passes under the rim where he kind of like almost does a little bit of that Steve Nash stuff we were so used to back in the day. I know that name is like Voldemort on this podcast, but uh, uh, Cam, I think, is settling down. And obviously, he airballed his two threes, which was really interesting considering he's been super hot from deep. But I think uh, just get him more minutes. 18 isn't enough on a team like this, and I think there's enough defensive weapons to clean up his mess when he makes those mistakes. Yeah, just give all those seven minutes to him or, like, yeah. you know, Edmund Sumner. Like, you know, it's just rotation things. Seven minutes just disgusting. Yeah, it was... Look, but like, I love Patty, and I always loved Patty, and the fact that he was uh, a neutral in the plus-minus really did surprise me. But, you know, in, in saying that, some teething issues for the team overall, top-down from the coaches uh, and below. Unfortunate not to get the win, but, you know, some signs, some positive signs moving forward. Hopefully some of these losses, honorable losses, translate into wins. Jack, does this game, like, obviously it's one game and two games, like, make you feel any better about 
the Nets moving forward or the trade packages they receive for Kyrie and KD? Yeah, look, it, uh, some people are comparing like this to the Clippers package for Paul George uh, going to OKC. And it's just like, well, is Mikael Bridges going to be an SGA caliber player? Maybe. Like, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, SGA is probably going to win most improved, probably going to be an all-NBA player. You know, he's all-star. He's having an incredible season. I don't think Mikael will, has the offensive weaponry as of this point. But I'd be, I'd be happily surprised. And I think that there is something there. And I think that there is... You know, just the, the intangible sort of things. He's just got a hooper mentality. He's got an infectious personality. Um, it might be, and, and maybe some of the first to get packaged to get, uh, everyone's already in on the SGA bandwagon <laughs> or Trey Young bandwagon, but we've barely even seen I've this I've already team. looked up 23, 24 free agents and 25, 26 free agents. Let's and chill, I- Nick. Let's just, <laughs> let's just cover this game and we'll do that in some future Evergreen podcasts. But yeah, look, I, I, I think I, this is, was emblematic. Of, this was probably reflective of what I thought would happen. Um, I, I was probably pleasantly surprised by a few things here and there, but I'm I'm going to love just covering the Nets, whatever version or iteration they are, whether it's KD, Kyrie, and chaotic superstars, or whether it's, you know, the, the fun vibes of 2018-19, or the fun defensive three-point shooting and just good vibes, you know, get the threes up, get the twins going. Uh, I'm loving the Nets, Nick. I'll always love the Nets, and, and it was a nice game tonight. Uh, it was just would have been better if it was a W. Yeah, I think I'm feeling a little bit better about the Suns guys after doing a little research and seeing about the potential of them growing moving forward. And we'll see how it all plays out. Obviously, I think there's definitely something enticing with this roster. And, you know, having guys with positive attitudes and vibes could definitely help attract some people to this team. But, Jack, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? No, I'll leave my Sean Marks and Joe Sy thoughts for a future episode. Uh, I don't want to, I'm, I'm feeling relatively positive right now. I don't want to go down that path, Nick. Uh, it sounds good, Jack. We'll jump into it some more. Obviously, after a bigger sample size, we'll get a better idea of these guys as well. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.